Hi, welcome to After the Crisis with Victoria. On this podcast, we talk about stress, trauma, plain old bad days, and how those events impact the way in which we walk through the world. Everyone needs to be heard, and I am here to listen. Together, we will find realistic, healthy ways to turn our setback into a comeback. If you're a person who has ever endured difficult times, which have left you feeling disconnected from your authentic self, a little bruised, or even a little broken, this podcast is for you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to After the Crisis with Victoria. My name is Victoria English Martin. I'm so happy to have you here today. As you all know, I pray to find the right guests for my podcast. I ask God and the universe to put the right people into my path so that whomever I might interview not only can get their mission out into the world, but also just help others who may be going through any kind of struggle, whether it resembles the topic we're talking about or just resonates with them on a different level. Because as I say in every episode, our crises are different, but our feelings are the same. And it is my mission to fulfill that and just help others realize that we are more alike than we are different. Today, I have a wonderful woman. Her name is Betty Lara. She is the executive director of Glory House of Miami. And I came across Betty because of my wonderful daughter, Kelly Lahe. Kelly volunteers with Betty's organization, helping them with their social media. And it has been a very healing journey for Kelly and has brought her into a whole other world where she is able to use her Christian heart and her giving loving heart to help others and especially women who have gone through very, very difficult times. A little about Betty. Betty worked in the corporate business world for more than 30 years. During that tenure, she managed large accounts established project guidelines, implemented internal information technology needs, and set up support structures in several major U.S. corporations. Consequently, she opened her own real estate development business and was in charge of all the operational development. After working for many years in the business world, she shifted to assisting the senior and executive pastors of a large church in Miami-Dade. Betty has done many mission trips with her husband. She's gone to trips to Cuba, Ecuador, Switzerland, Tanzania, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Pakistan, Uganda, Brazil, and Mexico. They support an orphanage of 175 children and two homes for survivors of human trafficking through an orphanage in Tanzania, Africa. She is the executive director for Glory House of Miami, and she's taken all the experience she's gained in business and mission work to build the internal structure for Glory House of Miami. I will let Betty tell a little more about this incredible mission. And I just have so much respect for Betty because she deals with a topic that not many people are even aware of. And if they are aware of it, they don't want to look at it. So Betty, first of all, welcome. Thank you. Great show. And to be with you today. Oh, well, I'm honored to be with you and give my daughter a hug for me. I will. (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about 
Glory House of Miami. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what we do. And I think it's really important to tell you later how Glory House came to be. But basically, Glory House is a faith-based organization, and we're dedicating to the rescue of adult survivors of human trafficking. We concentrate on the age of 18 to 28. And we have a long-term residential program. We learn that these women have been so traumatized that they need to stay in a safe place for at least a year to two Mm -hmm. years. We also opened up a drop-in center for non-residential survivors. And in both places, we provide wraparound services. So when I talk about wraparound services, is you know, really anything that they need. You know, they need home, clothing, food, medical help, spiritual assistance, health care, any type of social service, legal support, reintegration. Mm-hmm. You know, healing is like key because they have to heal their hearts. Mm-hmm. And pretty much, you know, anything they want, education, arts, vocations, and life skills. And so they're there for healing and their restoration because they have been, you know, deeply wounded and a Mm -hmm. lot of trauma. And in addition to that, we also do street outreach where we go and visit the women that have been trafficked and prostitute. And just recently, we took advantage of social media and we visit porn websites to get, you know, women's names and phone numbers, and we call them to also bring them hope and services. And so we work, you know, with a lot of organizations, obviously, this is not the job of just one organization, you Mm -hmm. have to, you know, partner with many, many organizations, law enforcement, shelters, other NGOs, uh, nonprofit organizations, Mm -hmm. you know, to do this type of work. And then, of course, super important is to educate the community, because, you know, we want to prevent. We don't want people to get to our house. We want to prevent. And then we also train. So that's just a very short synopsis of what Glory House does. Okay. That's incredible. Betty, I know that Miami is a major hub for sex trafficking. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that world and how this happens to these young girls, these young women? Yeah. I like to share some statistics with you because I think they're very powerful. One is human trafficking is a $32 billion, not million, but billion dollar industry. Florida is the third largest state where human trafficking happens. The average age of a survivor is uh, 12 years old in the United States. In third world countries, it's much, much younger. You're talking about, you know, three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pim can make $125,000 selling one young woman. And I'm going to talk a lot about women today while I'm talking to you, but men mm-hmm. are also included in that because. Really, pimps don't really care whether you're a woman, whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Chinese, whatever. They basically Mm -hmm. care about money and power. And so imagine pimps having five girls and they sell those girls five days a week, you know, 365 days out of the year. You know, they usually hard have any breaks at all. So you can well imagine the money that they make 
and also the trauma that these women go through. Mm-hmm. Of course, sex, which is what basically they get them for, is mm-hmm. one of the many, many other things that these women go through. A lot of them are drugged because, you know, they have to submit and they have to, you know, you do what we want, not what you want. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are beaten. And I always have to hold my tongue <laughs> when people compare sex trafficking to prostitution. And I even have a different view of prostitution, but sex trafficking is not prostitution. This is coerced. This is forced. This is fraud. Mm -hmm. And so these women, they're not necessarily taken like the movie Taken, but they are groomed in schools. They're groomed in colleges, universities. They're grooms. You know, they go to the mall, they befriend, young men befriend them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a misconception that you know, it has to be in a horrible neighborhood or that you have to be impoverished. And although that does happen, it's not real and it's not the truth because they'll just pretty much go after anybody really. Again, like I said, it's about money and power. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, Betty, because I've learned, gosh, probably more than I wanted to know about sex trafficking, thanks to my daughter. But I didn't realize the scope of the problem. And this is an important topic for every person to be aware of. And again, like you said, I I do think that people assume they stigmatize it. They assume that they're going in and preying upon underprivileged women, women from broken homes who live in scarcity. They are not aware of the girl next door that could be groomed. Can you tell us a little bit more about that so that the people listening can understand that this is a relatable issue yeah. for everybody, regardless of race, creed, right. e- economic yeah. status? You know, let's go to families, right, that have, let's say, a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. And parents are working 24-7. And, you know, uh, there's issues in the home. And girls are not their parents are not paying attention necessarily not because they're doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have basically love at home and care at home, you're very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that happens, uh, you know, my dad is never home. He's always traveling. My mom is always taking care of, you know, the other kids and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm 13, 14 years old and I go to the mall or I go to the movies or, you know, I'm, I'm befriending people on social media. Mm-hmm. And someone offers me something that, you know, maybe at that particular time, I'm not getting at home. Right. And so I'm very vulnerable to get attention, mm-hmm. to get love. Mm-hmm. And again, not that these parents are doing it intentional. So, you know, that goes through like a wide scope. I mean, of it can course. go through, you know, somebody that have a lot, a lot of money to people that are, like you said, impoverished mm-hmm. and that someone offers them, Hey, I'm going to, you know, get you clothes and purses and I'm going to take you to a nice mm-hmm. restaurant. And so, you know, who, who doesn't want that? Right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, we don't have to talk about it. Look at Epstein, right? Epstein, right? A millionaire right. Uh, flying girls in mm-hmm. to his home mm-hmm. and government officials, you know, so this is also, it, it goes in the government and, you know, there's mafia in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is sometimes it starts with strip clubs, mm-hmm. You know, and strip clubs. Uh, now I go and choose to strip, but then I'm very vulnerable. And I had a actually I had a wonderful woman that actually was a stripper and worked with us. 
And someone walked into the strip bar and offered her something. And she, man, this is my opportunity to, you know, my boyfriend, I'm going to go to New York. Mm -hmm. When she got to New York, he took her papers, you know, her, all her information, license and all that kind of stuff. And now you're going to do what I'm going to, but he befriended her for Mm -hmm. many months. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, I'm going to, we're going to go to New York. My God, you're, you're amazing. You're, you're like a wonderful, I mean, like, I really, wow, I admire Mm -hmm. you. And, you know, slowly but surely, and she ended up being trafficked 10 years of her life. So what I hear you saying is that these people are professionals at what they do. And they think in a way that a normal person can't comprehend. So they are looking for any vulnerability and every young woman has one, whether it, like you said, looking for love, looking for attention, looking for validation. Yes, sometimes looking for money, but often it's the intangible things that they're looking for. So it's not what we think about like in the movie Taken where, you know, a a girl's just swept, swept away and taken. They are thoughtfully and through a very special process groomed. Yes, based on whatever vulnerability these predators identify in these girls. Yeah, that's a good way of of recapping. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, that's, I think it's, it's so important for people to understand that so that we all understand that this is happening in our community to girls that you would never expect. And young men, by the way, young men. men. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. That's incredible. We'll get back to that. I'm interested in knowing, because I don't know your whole story of how you went from what I talked about in your biography, <laughs> corporate America, doing your thing. Um, <laughs> how in the world does a successful corporate woman go from what you were doing? And I know that you have a very devout faith and that you were doing mission work. But how do you go from that to yeah. this, you know, really yeah. lifting up and looking at the underbelly of society, something that is just, oh my goodness, so, such a such an awful thing to look at. How did that happen? Yeah, well, in a short, I mean, I'll, and I'll expand, but this is sort of like joking around. When you know Jesus, you better hang on and put your belt on because he'll ask you things that are, you're not qualified, that you have uh-huh. no experience. You know, you say yes, you know, very humbly, and, yes. you know, you got to be very careful that you say yes, because he says, okay, you say yes. Okay, now this is what I'm going to ask you to do. But Amen. It, it was a surprise, you know, for me. I'll just give you a, a really short synopsis of my story. I was abused by my father uh, when I was five years old. Oh. And so that right there, you know, it always, that starts something. Of course. And then my parents were divorced when I turned five years old. And then, you know, we had to leave our country. I'm Spanish, Cuban descent, and we had to leave our country. And during, you know, the divorce and up through my teenage years, my grandfather was sort of replaced my dad. So, you know, I had him that covered that love that I, that I needed. But then, you know, he got sick. And I don't know what happened at 13, but just like the switch just went off. And it was like, I was angry. I just wanted to do mm-hmm. my own thing. I was taken away from my grandfather. And I said, okay, I'm going to now start doing what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all hell broke loose. You know, I, uh, looking for love in all the wrong places. I wasn't sold as a, as a human trafficking, but I might as well been because, you know, I was with a guy every other month, mm-hmm. you know, doing drugs. Cause I had to kill the pain of, yes. you know, 
probably when I was five years old and, and beyond. Yes. And so, you know, that was my teenage years up through when I got married the first time I met my husband and I was with him for eight years. And then I finally, you know, he didn't do drugs. So I stopped, you know, drugs and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And uh, we were married for 10 years and I had two beautiful children. But in that you still, you, you need to heal. And I just, mm. you know, basically he was my healing. I found someone, but it was just sort of, you know, temporarily. Yes. And so that didn't last just because there was a lot of issues in my heart that I needed to deal with. Mm. And I did counseling and all that kind of stuff, but uh, there was adultery. And so I, which was my father, you know, so deja vu. Mm -hmm. So we divorced and uh, I wasn't even divorced a year later. And I met another man. And again, you know, all the junk that I had from five all the way to, you know, through my first marriage, I yes. brought it on to my, you know, second marriage. That's when I found Jesus, by the way, because mm-hmm. my old, you know, world mm-hmm. came tumbling down and I had everything, you know, uh, I've always been a hard worker and I, whatever I want, I get, you know, that's always been me. And then yes. of course, you mm-hmm. know, it's like somebody just pulled the rug from under me and now I was alone with my two kids and, you know, what was I going to do? But mm. anyways, a year later I got married and man, that was like even worse than the first So that's when I started my journey Mm -hmm. of healing. And, you know, God can heal instantly, but usually he does it through time. And I ended up being very successful with him. Uh, We actually, you know, had the business that we had. And like anything, I mean, if I had stuff before now, I could, you know, we could take $30,000 trips in one week, anything that I wanted. I mean, I just had it all. I had it all. But then again, deja vu, I married someone that was an adulterer. Mm -hmm. And I married him, I was with him for 18 years. So with each marriage, I was with him for 18 years. Mm. And one day I finally, you know, I just, I just said, I just can't take this anymore. Mm -hmm. And but again, I had gone through a lot of healing, a lot of counseling, Mm Uh, you know, just going deeper into, you know, my relationship with, with God, with the, with the Lord. And one day he finally said, you can walk out of your marriage. You you can walk out of your marriage. I remember the day it was, I remember he gave me the blessing Mm -hmm. and it was actually February 2nd, 11 years, almost 11 years ago. Mm. And that year I just said, okay, I'm never going to get married. I'm going to help women because, you know, of all the pain of, you know, not just my divorces, but what had happened to me, yes. the trauma. And I started mentoring women. I carry that. I, that's like, it just, in, it, it's in me, you know, yeah. I just, it just flows out mm-hmm. of me. And so remember I went on a mission to, cause I love missions. I just love the poor. I love the, the marginalized. I love, I come alive. Yes. You know, I come alive when, when I'm helping people. And so that year, the you know, with not a penny, I, I, I actually wrote a book. I ended up with $50 in my pocket and, you know, $50 from being a millionaire, uh, from being a normal person is bad, but from being, having millions, that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, actually I wrote a book, $50 at 55, starting life all over again with wow. Jesus. And so that year I went on missions, the Lord provided, I went to Christian Healing Ministries, another place, you know, to heal. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I really want to learn, you know, some of the stuff in my family, you know, like in my family, there's divorce, there's alcoholism, mm-hmm. there's 
all kinds of, you know, depression, yes. codependency. I mean, you name all it. The My stuff. family, <laughs> the whole, the whole gamut. Yes. And so I said, I want to know somebody in Miami that knows about, you know, generational stuff. Cause I want to break some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I meet this gentleman, his name is Renee. He's a doctor. And so I just went to him to just to learn about, you know, what he did and that I needed help. And he had a ministry and he had just come back from Africa and he has a huge map in his home. And I go, oh, my God, you know, Africa is like that's like a dream that I've always had. He goes, if you want, I'm going to take you to Africa one day. And that was I met him in September 10 years ago. Uh, September, October. Yeah, September, October, November. In December 26, we were married. <laughs> wow. I said that I would never marry again. <laughs> he was alone for seven years. He said he would never be alone again. He was celibate, which, oh you know, that was goodness. a good thing for you because when you're married to two men that are, you know, like your dad is an adulterer, your husband's an adulterer. I said, no, 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 no. I'm, ne- I'm never, I, I don't trust men. And I go, right. well, this is interesting. He's celibate for seven years. I, I gotta, mm. I gotta explore this. So mm-hmm. we were married and this uh, December was our 10th year anniversary Oh my. Uh, I, my life is truly a John 10, 10 abundance. You know, God came to give us abundant life, you know, and I really truly believe that I am living an abundant life. And, uh, my sister-in-law was the one that had the, um, the vision to start glory house. And mm. because she's a full-time evangelist, she's been to 40 nations and has written 10 books. Mm. She asked me, would you run glory house? And because of my background, you know, again, I've never been trafficked, but I've gone through a lot of pain. When these girls talk about abortion, been there, done that. Mm. When these girls, you know, have been with many men that have abused them, been there, done that. Mm. I mean, abused by by father, been there, done that. Alcohol, been there, done that. Uh, You know, depression, been there, done that. You know, like I could relate a lot. And I came to a point in my life where I was sort of sort of status quo in my Christian life. And I said to the Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm going to say yes to this because I want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. I really want, I'm too comfortable mm-hmm. and I really want to go deeper. Oh man, I should have never said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, now I find myself with no experience, a surrendering life, just saying yes, Mm -hmm. really having to depend because I'm telling you, if I tell you the stories, Victoria, that, you know, the the stories that I hear about the girls, I really never tell them I I understand. Even as much pain as I've gone through, Mm -hmm. I can really never tell them I, I understand because a lot of them, you know, have been raped, you know, 25 times and guns to their heads. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, really my life, <laughs> as much suffering as I went through is like a centimeter compared to, you know, what these mm-hmm. people have gone through, but tremendous. you know, my pain has become my pulpit and my pain, my misery has become my ministry. <laughs> yes. And so I just basically, you know, I believe that I'm here. Um, I'm sorry that I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Yeah. 
you're being very vulnerable and and this is an incredible story and you're being very vulnerable never apologize so Mm -hmm. i'm just here to bring hope you know yes man i'm telling you if god can do you know what he's done with me i mean i've flown all over the world with my present husband i I ministered to, you know, 400,000 Muslims. I would have never thought I'd be in Pakistan. You know, we have 175 children in Tanzania. This year, we're going to minister to the survivors of human trafficking in uh, Thailand. And if you would have, you know, if you would have told me, you know, years ago that I would be doing this, I'd say, Victoria, you better go to a nut house because you don't know what the heck you're talking about. (laughs) Never, never, never would have imagined anything, you know, glory house, being married again, right? uh, traveling with my husband. And I even became an ordained minister, which I mean, it's like, really, (laughs) really, Lord, (laughs) I sort of, sometimes I laugh at the Lord because I go, you're really funny, you know? You take broken people. Yeah, you take broken people, and you really make, you know, you really do amazing things. You know, really, when we're willing and we say yes, really. And that is the key to be willing yeah. and to say yes and to go yes. with your brokenness, and allow God to right. to do His work. And you are a walking yeah. testament yeah. to that. Yeah. No matter how broken yeah. one is, that if you can surrender. And allow God to do mm-hmm. his work on you. Yeah. The opportunities are limitless. But again, it does take a level of willingness that is uh, yeah. <laughs> that is profound. That says a lot about you well, and your you. faith. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. My husband has a, an amazing story, too. You know, he, he's written three books. And he, uh, so, you know, the things that I cannot help people, mm-hmm. he, you know, he fills in the gaps as a man. And, Isn't that amazing? And so, you know, yeah, it's really amazing. And he, it's really funny because, you know, I never had a, I have a son and my son is like, oh, my God, he's like, woof. I mean, my my heart pitter patters when I talk about my son. I understand, but other than him <laughs> and, and my grandfather, I've never really had a man that you know respected me, or and so it's very hard to think of God, you know, that you love me like a father, like you know what I mean. That's really, really, and so I really believe that God put Renee in my life to heal that area of my life so that then I can help these women, you know, out. I mean, not that I couldn't do it without Renee. Right. You know, because God can do, I mean, my sister-in-law has been to 40 nations and she has a story to tell and she, mm-hmm. she goes by herself and she's a powerhouse. She doesn't need no yes. man, you know? So. Right. Right. No, I, I hear what you're saying, but I do believe that God puts people in our path. Who are yes, meant to yes. help us, to partner yes. with us. Uh, yes. That's certainly been my experience. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I did not ask God to just magically come down and heal me. I asked him to put the people in my path to help me during this very difficult time. And he did. And I told him that I knew that he was going to use me for a larger purpose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is yet. But like you, well, I hello. Well, <laughs> like you. Well, I'm sitting here doing this, but but I, I like what you said because you know when you wake up in the morning, you say your will, not mine. That's a big commitment, and there are yeah. things that that come up that you're you're sort of saying, "Are you talking to me? Me? 
Yes, little, I'm talking to you. Right, right, right. Little old broken me with all my past mistakes and all my flaws. Yes, I'm talking to you. So I commend you for your willingness to follow your calling oh, and your mission. Yeah. And thank you again for being so vulnerable with your story. Yeah. Back to Glory House, the women that come in. I mean, I've seen a lot of trauma in my life, but I can only imagine. And I will mention here that in November, I was blessed to go to the Glory House Gala with my daughter, Kelly. And there were some girls there sharing their stories and how you have helped transform their lives. So can you tell me a little bit about when a girl comes in, a young woman, mentally, physically, spiritually broken? What are the factors? What are the components that you find are the common denominators that the girls who are able to move forward and get on with their lives, what are some of the common denominators that they embrace? And I like what you said about the concept of God as a man, because I can imagine these girls coming in have no trust mm. in a man or anything, any yes. image, deity, right. male figure. Yes. So c- can you just tell yes. us a little bit about what you see in the girls who are transformed by your services? So I think that it would be wise to talk to you about the process of a woman. Okay coming off of the streets because so we do street outreach, right? And you can't take someone that has no boundaries, no structure, Mm -hmm. no nothing really, you know, whether they're working in the streets or whether they're with pimps. Okay. So usually if someone wants to go out of the life, they usually go to a transitional home. Mm-hmm. And this is not a homeless shelter. Homeless shelters are not adequate to provide what these w- women need. Of course. So that transition period is crucial. And we're not that transition period. There's mm-hmm. one place here in Miami that we work with, but there's transitional homes throughout the United States. And mm-hmm. they're usually 30, 60, 90 days because survivors of human trafficking are not trapped in cages or in bondage and, you know, Mm -hmm. tied in their hand, in their hands, their bondage is here in their, Mm -hmm. in their mind. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way that I always lived. My boyfriend really loves me, but you know, he beat me up a little bit, but you know, he'll love me again. And you know, I, I misbehaved. So I probably deserved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I deserved it. Mm -hmm. So that you know, can go back and forth. And that can happen three or four times, five times, or never happen. They could Mm -hmm. go into the transition and go back to the life and stay in the life. And Mm -hmm. eventually, you know, some of them even die because they Mm -hmm. feel so so bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So once they're in that transition, now I want to change. And that's where we come in. Mm. There's a referral form from whatever agency they have to fill out. We look very closely at everything, you know, everything that they've gone through, where they're at now. They look at our policies and procedures. They know that we're a Christian program. They know that they can be with us for a year to two years. Wow. And then I actually face to face with them a couple of times. I want them to meet me. I want them to meet the caregivers. Mm-hmm. And it's a process and it's not like a week. I mean, sometimes it takes a few weeks because I want them to make sure that they're investing their time to come to us, that they're going to stay. I don't want a revolving door. Yes. 
That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So usually that process, I can see if they're really interested to change. Mm -hmm. And if they've been in that transition home for 90 days, that, that tells me, okay, I'm ready. Yes. And of course, I work with social services people. Mm-hmm. I work with case managements. So I don't just go by that process of interview. I go by professionals Yes. who know them. Just to, to give you an example, if I have a girl that's having some a lot of psychological issues and they need care at night with nurses, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not our program. Right. Uh, we have care at night, but that's, you know, that's not our program. Of course. So I think it's a little bit of discernment. I think it's a little bit of wisdom. I think it's a little bit of, you know, the interview process and them telling you where they're at. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they're really the ones that make a decision to come. I don't make, I mean, I, yes. you know, they make, yes, I'm ready. And then, of course, we either take them in or not, depending on if they fit our program. And so once they're ready, what's that look like? Once they're ready, you know, there's more paperwork to be filled out because, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, if they're cutters, mm. you know, they cut themselves. We've got to, you know, be very careful with that. We lock everything, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the meds that they take, you know, we, we dispense medication. Most of them are on medication. So that to us is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then we just start the process of them, you know, transitioning to our place. And we let them know what Monday through Sunday looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, listen, you can't have a phone during the week. You can't be in contact with people that have been bad in your Mm -hmm. life. You know, uh, if you have a supporting mom or a supporting grandmother or a supporting cousin or supporting aunt, then yes, you can Mm -hmm. continue to be in touch with Mm -hmm. that person. And then, you know, you get to our home and we're pretty, you know, we're pretty strict and we keep you busy Mm -hmm. because we want you know, you're, you're here for business. This is business. You're here to heal. Yes. And to us, the most important thing is for you to heal your heart so that then you can become independent and not depend on us. Right. So, you know, and then they come and there's always a, um, a period of adjusting, you know, 30 days where they adjust. Mm -hmm. And we've had our home open for uh, four years and we've had ladies that have been with us for three months. And we've had ladies that have been with us for over a year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they have difficult times, I always point to the door and I say, you're not in jail. This is a home. We love you here. We're going to love you through the good and through the bad. Mm -hmm. Every day is a choice that you make to stay here. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's never a guarantee that they're going to be with us for the time that we do. Of course. It's basically up to them. And, you know, age also doesn't have anything to do with it because I've seen some 30-some or 20, high 20s that are so Mm -hmm. mature. And now we have a 19-year-old that, man, I mean, she's like thriving at 19 Mm. years old, which, you know, you know that your brain is not developed fully. Right. But she really wanted to change. Yes. And we spoke briefly about that via text this morning about what are some of the things that the survivors embrace so that they can move forward. And like you said, a commitment is the first thing. Commitment, yeah. They go to trauma counseling every week. Mm-hmm. They have mentors. They have community. They have to, you know, be in the word because, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the right here is where the enemy is right here between these two, the temp, the temp, yes. you know, 
but they also get to, you know, have fun. You know, I, I mm-hmm. want a teen year old to go to a movie or to go yes. roller skating. You know, she's she's been just to be a young, just, just to be a, a young adult, a 19, you know, to do young, normal you know, things. Go to yeah. you know, the beach. Uh, you know, you like running, yes. you like singing. You know, we have a, a curriculum, but we also evaluate them every three months. And, you know, we set three month goals. You know, mm-hmm. we, we spoon feed them because they can't think past six months or a year. Right. You know, right. With all the trauma they have. And then when they accomplish, you know, three months, oh my God, okay, next month, what are three next three months? What are we going to do? Yeah. You're going to go to school. Oh, that's wonderful. So we're going to get you to go to school, you know, and so you know, we walk with them in the good and in the bad. Yes. So it sounds like as they begin the healing process, that then they start to rediscover their true selves, their their gifts, their gift to sing or dance or do art or minister to others. Like you said, mentoring. It sounds like part of that healing is rediscovering themselves and then also learning how to pay it forward to others. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very, very important that, you know, mm-hmm. they don't know who they are. They, they don't know. Of who course. They are. They're, they're basically, you know, someone uses me for my body and that's what I'm good for. <laughs> right. You know, Isn't, yeah. That's, and so and they that's don't even tragic. dream. Like, like we sit with right. them and we say, okay, we're going to dream. And they look at me like I've got four eyes, you know. I can only Let's imagine. Dream. Let's, you know, what do you love to do? You're asking me what I love to do? Yeah. Let me, what do you love to do? Well, I've got to think about that, you know. Right. So I can only imagine, yeah, of course. It takes a while even for them to. Oh. To, yeah. Tell me about some of the beauty you've seen in the transitions, because I certainly at the gala when the young lady belted out that song for her parents, I was just moved to tears. Yeah. I, I, I cried a lot that night, joy, tears of, of pain and, and compassion and also tears of joy. But tell me what that's like yeah. to see, yeah. to see the fruition of, yeah. of the work that you're doing, the work that God is doing in these young women. Well, I'll give you a couple of, uh, of examples and I'm not going to give you the example that you saw in November. I have one young woman that we helped outside of the home. And one of the reasons why we helped her outside of the home is because she had a son that she had had with her pimp. Oh, And she moved here from Chicago. And so we started helping her, you know, with whatever, you know, furniture, uh, Mm -hmm. medical help, whatever she, you know, whatever they need, we, we, we're there, you know, they know that they can pick up the phone and they can call, you know, glory house. Yes. And so uh, unfortunately, you know, she got settled and, you know, she had been in jail rather than her pimp. She ended up in jail because of prostitution. And so Mm -hmm. she got out of jail, she went to a program and then, we started uh, mentoring her, putting her in community, helping her. And she got involved, you know, with this guy. And of course she wasn't ready and she had a, ended up having a baby. So now she had her son and now this baby and she chose to have the baby. Mm-hmm. I was very proud of her because at 18 years old, I chose abortion. Mm-hmm. And so uh, her baby, when she was born, she was beautiful. I was at the hospital. And so, you know, we just started you know, continuing to help her out. She got her own place. And I knew the guy was with her, but I, we just, you know, we just love them where they're at. Right. We just, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't judge them. And, you know, we gave her a car, uh, all of her records we expunged, you know, she started selling jewelry because she is super creative and she started saving money, uh, you know, to get her own place. We got her place. Uh, she, 
we got her a job in this office and, you know, she was filing since she's been there. She's gotten five promotions. She's now almost the office manager, super smart, super brilliant. She's been on mission trips with her older son. Wow. She just adopted another girl. She adopted, she's got now three kids and she's gone through, you know, some bumps along the way because this father of her daughter just was an alcoholic and, you know, there was some, there was some abuse there. So we've had to just help her recently, but in so many other areas of her life, she's just like thriving. So to, I always tell her that she's my shining star. So that's beautiful. Yes. And then uh, I have a, 38-year-old that came to our home. She lived with us for three months. But that girl was like, she she was like a bulldog. She just, she knew what she wanted. When God touched her, she just knew what she wanted. And Mm -hmm. uh, three months later, she came to me and she goes, I want to go to this school in North Carolina. And she just like, I've never, she's probably somebody that has grown by leaps and bounds like I've never seen. I met her at a conference that, that we had a, a one year mm-hmm. down here in Miami for women. And I invited her to come to the house. And she said, I want to go to this school in North Carolina. And I said, okay, I'm going to take $100 and I'm going to seed into your life and let's see what God does. Well, she got accepted to the school. We got her car. I drove her to North Carolina. She got accepted into the school. She graduated from the school. It was a three-month program. She is now has her own apartment. She pays for her own car, her own phone, her own apartment. And now she's working at a, a coffee shop, which is a everybody knows the coffee shop, if I mention mm-hmm. it. And they're training her to be a store manager. That's and amazing. She uh, is part of a church, part of a community, has a mentor. And, you know, every time I see her, I I just tell her, I'm just so proud of you. I mean, you know, and so, you know, these are just, I mean, I could tell you more stories. but Of course, yes. Those those stories are incredible. It truly is incredible. And again, I know I repeat myself sometimes on my podcast, but when our intentions are spiritually aligned, Mm-hmm. with God, whatever you call your God, higher power, the universe, when they are spiritually aligned and you are open to receiving and to serving, the possibilities are limitless. Yes. I love hearing those stories. That's amazing. Can you tell us, I know that you do like to engage with the community and there are ways for the community, whoever's listening, to help with Glory House, get involved as we start to wind up, just something to leave our listeners with so that if you are moved by this, yeah. And now that you realize that sex trafficking is not something that just happens in the bad areas, in the underbelly of society, it's happening to people to whom you would never expect. Mm -hmm. And it is time for each person to recognize that, step up. And if you feel moved in your heart to help working with Glory House, if you're in Miami volunteering or... Betty, can you give us some online information? Prayer is always good. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be in the other part of the world. And so, you know, pray for us because, you know, obviously there's such a thing as called a secondary trauma. So, you know, our caregivers need strength and need wisdom and, you know, um, 
And, you know, I do as well because I meet with the ladies every week and I hear the good and the bad. Yes. So that's always good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to talk about a transition that we're going on right now. When we first started, we uh, raised funds to actually purchase a home because obviously, well, first of all, Miami is a very expensive county. Yes. And we didn't want to have the burden of, you know, rent mm-hmm. because if you go to a rehab place, I'm talking about alcoholic or drug addicts, you know, you're paying like $40,000 per person per year. That's not what we, you know, expend for ladies because we have a lot of pro bono, but you know, rent is expensive and we could use that money for services for the ladies. Mm -hmm. So we've been praying for someone that has like a home. We don't even want it. I mean, you could just let us use it free. Okay. Because we want to reach more women. Yes. We want to help more women. We want, I'll give you an example, a trauma counseling session costs $120. Right. If they go every week, multiply that times four, multiply that times, right? Mm -hmm. And we have four girls, multiply that times four for the whole year. So just in trauma or forget about all the medical stuff, all the other, you know, stuff, going to school, So we want to take that money and transfer it over to services. So I'm going to be bold. And if anybody has a home that, you know, you're not using and you want to give it to us, that would be amazing for us to use. And we don't have to own it. You can own it. Or if you want to rent it for a penny and write off the, you you know. Hey, put it out there. Put it out there. I'm going to be bold about it. And then, of course, you can go to our website, gloryhouseofmiami.org. And there's many, many ways that you could volunteer. You can work with the ladies. Uh, you know, Kelly called us and I said, well, what are your gifts? And she goes, uh, social media. I said, do you do social media? She goes, yeah. And I go, perfect. Exactly. And I hooked her, you know, and she's loving, you know, every minute of what she's doing. And so I usually like to match the gifts yeah. that, you know, God has given people to, you know, what our needs are, but you know, I'm, I need an administrative person right now because mm-hmm. I'm getting ready. Somebody's getting ready to transition. Yes. People that want to go to the streets to do outreach, people that want to cook meals. I mean, just, yes. you know, there, it, there's tons of stuff on the website and people can go to the website. So if you're listening and again, like bet, you know, you can always go and donate online. I do a small monthly donation. Yes. It's nothing major, just a little something if you're called to do that. But also take a breath, close your eyes and ask the universe, what gifts do I have? How could I help Glory House of Miami? And don't be afraid to dream and don't be afraid to contact Betty. You can find her on the website at gloryhouseofmiami.org. And don't be afraid to dream. If you have a gift, it's of use. Uh, We all have gifts. And I hope that if you're listening, you will just take a moment and reflect upon how you might be able to help Betty and the wonderful organization that she's leading and the incredible work that she's doing, the lives that she's saving. I think that's about it with that. Gosh, that was was quick, right? That's a lot. It goes fast, doesn't it? I know. (laughs) Well, you get two talkative women together. And then, of course, whenever it's something that we're passionate about, We could go on for days, but in ending again, I'd like to appeal to my listeners, you know, think about how you could help be aware of what's going on in your community. I'm not afraid to tackle tough topics on this podcast. That's what I'm called to do. And with that, I am also called to call upon my listeners to go deep and look at how they can help. 
Open your eyes, see what's going on, make your world a better place. We don't have to change the whole world. Just Mm -hmm. do what you can to change a little at a time and look what it turns into. Look what Betty's doing for these women who I can only imagine the hopelessness they've endured. So Betty, uh, thank you for being my guest. Thank you. And I feel like I have a little piece of you with Kelly and I love her. I know. Thank you so much for what you do. It's a wonderful thing that you can do this and encourage, you know, people. And like, you know, you said, I do it one life at a time, right? If everybody would do one life at a time, imagine what this world would look like. Amen to that. Yes. Well, thank you for being here. And I look forward to seeing you when I'm in Miami next time. Thanks for listening to After the Crisis with Victoria. For more about me, how I can serve your needs, and links to our special guests, please subscribe to this podcast and visit victoriaenglishmartin.com. Also, come on over to our free Facebook group and join our community after the crisis with Victoria. I'm offering access to fun, healthy, and thought-provoking content. Additionally, you'll find exclusive programs, workshops, and one-on-one coaching. Until next time, count your blessings, not your burdens. And remember, there is life after the crisis.